So um, this morning, I just want to share briefly with us what I want to title um, the foundation of our relationship with God, the foundation of our relationship with God. So um, to help us get a grasp of what we want to talk about, I'd like to read um, a verse of scripture. So if you will, would you turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 12 and um, I'll be reading verse 28. Hebrews chapter 12 and in verse 28. I read, it says, Wherefore, we receive in a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Let me read that again. Wherefore, we receive in a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. And we also turn in our Bibles to Romans, um, Romans chapter 12. And I'll read verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the privilege to hear you speak to us, to have your mind and your heart communicated to us. Thank you because I have the, the tongue, or which is described as the pen of the ready writer. I speak expressly what you will have me speak in the way you will have me say it. I thank you because of the hearts of men are receptive to receive your word as demonstrated by actions that people will take in congruence and correspondence with what they received from the word today in Jesus' name. Praise God. So, said so we're looking at the foundation of our relationship with God. Um, at the core of our relationship with God are certain things that I, I would like to refer to as foundation this morning. You know, certain things are like the bedrock of our relationship with God. And but firstly, it's clear to me um, from looking at scripture and working with God these few years of of mind working with God, that our relationship with God can be likened to the relationship of a father with his child. And uh, another similar kind of relationship that, that kind of displays or demonstrates the relationship that God has with uh, us is, is the relationship that he has, that, they, that a man has with his wife. So we see at different points in time in scripture that God refers to us as his children. 
is behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the sons of God or the children of God. So that relationship is a father-son or father-child or father-daughter relationship. Then the Bible also describes the relationship that we have with him as the relationship that a man has with his wife. And that was aptly uh, described in Ephesians chapter 5 and in verse 25, where when God gave express instructions by the Holy Spirit to husbands, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, you know, that he might wash it by the washing of the water by the word. So, God is saying, in essence, that you should pattern pattern uh, your relationship with your wife like the relationship that Jesus Christ had with his bride. And his bride is the church. You see in different parts of the scripture how that God, you know, refers to us as the bride of, of the Lord Jesus. So, so you can see that uh, our relationship with God <clears throat> is supposed to be looked upon uh, from the context of fatherhood and, and, and sonship or fatherhood and childhood and from the context of a marital relationship that is supposed to be an inseparable one. And in any relationship, for that matter, there are some fundamental things that are at the heart or at the core of any good relationship. You know, these things are required for those relationships to thrive. They're required for the relationships to become beneficial for the parties that are involved. And I'll just mention a few of them. There are a, a lot of things that you could mention. But this morning, I just want to focus on just a few of them. And I want to mention five things that are indicative or suggestive of you having a good relationship. And of course, we would extrapolate that to our relationship with God. Uh, the first one I want to mention is mutual love. Mutual love is something that must be demonstrated in any good relationship. Number two, mutual commitment. You can see that there is a, a the consistent thread in the conversation of mutual. Mutual meaning that it's it's something that is coming from both parties that are involved in the relationship. So the first one is mutual love. The second one is mutual commitment. The third one is mutual trust. The fourth is mutual respect. And in such a relationship, there must be mutual communication. Okay, so I want to go over the five again. Mutual love, mutual commitment, mutual trust, mutual respect, 
and mutual communication. And in any healthy relationship, it is expected that you would find these core components, these core uh, uh, foundational elements, right? And it's not any different when we look at our relationship with God. And by our relationship with God, I'm talking about God's disposition towards us in that relationship. And of course, by inference, what our disposition towards God should be in our relationship with him. Glory to his name. So it's, it's, it's a relationship that is um, that is that is strengthened is a relationship that is evidenced is a relationship that is reflective of mutual love of mutual commitment of mutual trust of mutual respect and mutual communication okay. now god is unambiguous about what his thoughts are to us God is unequivocal about his thinking and his reasoning about his disposition towards us. God says what he means, means what he says, and he demonstrates everything that he, he feels, he anticipates or expects that the relationship should be about. And he sets the tone, he sets the example. He, he goes ahead of us to show us uh, what is expected in the relationship by first, you know, demonstrating the very same things. He, he sets the example of how he expects our relationship with him to be like. And, and you can see from varying scriptures, you know, in Hebrews chapter 13 and in verse 5, uh, probably verse 6 as well, you know, when Jesus, when was uh, when the Holy Spirit through the writer of Hebrews was saying that it was important for us to be committed and to be to be content with whatever it is that we have, you know, trying to draw a parallel by saying that because God will never leave us and He will never forsake us, you know, that we may boldly say that the Lord God is our helper. And we will not be afraid of what man would do to us. God is emphatic about what he wants to do with you and me. He said that his commitment is total. His commitment to you is one that is enduring. His commitment to you is one that, was, that is unshakable, that is unbreakable, that cannot be dissolved. He said he will never that word never means it will never ever happen it says i will never leave you i will never forsake you that you may boldly say that the lord god is your helper and i will not be afraid of what man will do unto me so we see clearly that god's commitment to us is total god is not about to start a project with you and abandon it it doesn't it doesn't build his house in you to move away it doesn't teach you to swim to come and let you drown you know god doesn't do that god is god is completely committed 
to his relationship with us. He's, he's committed, you know, to the love that he has for us. Glory to his name. How do I know he's committed to that love? Because he did not hold back. Because he did not spare anything. He didn't spare any expense. He didn't spare any cost to demonstrate that love. And we see that in Romans chapter 8 and in verse 32, where God says that God did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. He says, says, if he didn't spare his son, and he delivered him up for you and for me, he says, how will he not with him freely give us all things can you see that <laughs> glory to god he says god did not spare his son my god that's awesome that means god made sure that whatever it was that would get the job done would be failure proof would be foolproof he he gave and and offered the most important sacrifice. He offered the highest form of sacrifice that can be offered. He did not spare the blood of deity to ensure that, that anything that ought to be your possession or your, your inheritance comes to you. He says, God who did not spare his son, but delivered him up for us. So it says, how will he not with him, how will he not with him freely give us all things? So God's commitment to his love for us is, is, is unequivocal. It's, it's clear. It's very, very evident. Glory to his name. In fact, he shows us in Jeremiah chapter 31 and in verse 3 that he loves us with an everlasting love. His love is everlasting. From generation to generation, God's love is everlasting. He's, he's described as a gracious God. He's described as a merciful God. He's described as God who is plenteous in mercy and gracious. His love is everlasting. He can not stop loving you. Glory to God. You know what? Can I be extreme in the expression of this thought to you? If God were to stop loving you, God will cease to exist. <laughs> Glory to God. God will cease to exist. And you know God cannot cease to exist because he's eternal. So his love is enduring. His love is unshaking. His love is unbreakable. I say, ah, but, but bro, I, I know that sometimes I don't deserve the love of God. Sometimes... I, I just, you know, consistently just want to walk in error, walk in rebellion, walk in my own way and do things the way I think I should, even in defiance of what God wants. But God's commitment to you is that his love is everlasting. He says he will never, somebody say never, he will never leave you. And he will, you know, you know, interestingly, you find that people, People, when, when there's a severance in the relationship that we have with God, it's never because God departs. It's never because God leaves. It's never because God, you know, takes a hike or, or decides that, no, I'm jetting out of this. It's always because man 
decides to estrange himself from God. That's what usually happens, you know? And that's why God passionately and compassionately is always asking us, draw near unto me so that you can feel the, the full intent of my love for you. That's what it means, right? Draw near unto me and I'll draw unto you. It's not, so to speak, saying that he's drawing unto you, is contingent on you drawing. His love is always there, but you will feel that love the more you draw near unto him. Glory to his name. So his commitment to loving us is 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 on on Bible. And honestly speaking, you can see certain things that would suggest to you that that God must really, really value us. You know, remember what we were talking about about uh, relationships and how mutual respect is important. Just think about it. If God, you know, gave his son, his very best, to die for you and me, to you, it must mean that God really, really values you. It must really mean that God really, really values humanity. So much so that in First Peter chapter 3 and in verse 7, he refers to us as heirs of grace. <laughs> Glory to his name. We are referred to as heirs of grace. Glory to God. Wow, what a privilege. You see, he was talking to husbands. says, likewise, husbands, dwell with them. According to knowledge, of course, talking about their wives. Giving honor to the, unto the wife as unto weaker vessels, as being heirs together of the grace of life. Can you see that? He says, you are, you are, you are heirs together of the grace of life. Wow. It, 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 it just shows the kind of valuation that God has placed on humanity. He calls you. He says, he says the husband should treat his wife as a fellow heir of grace. He's not even saying, the first and foremost, look at that person as someone that was that was bought and and a price was paid for by the precious blood of Jesus. Someone who is a carrier of divinity. Someone who is the tabernacle of the living God. Glory to His name. Someone who is the very carrier of the presence of God. Glory to God. I, I would like to just read a few things from the, the Passion Translation that just elucidates some of the things that are, that, are, that are read or shared to us. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and in verse 19 and 20, it says, Have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the spirit of holiness who lives in you? You don't belong to yourself any longer, but the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of your sanctuary. Mm -hmm. You are God's expensive purchase. My God. Come on, tell your neighbor that is around you or tell yourself, I am God's expensive purchase paid for with tears of blood. Oof, my God. Paid for with tears of blood. So by all means, then use your body to bring glory to God. Did you see what the, the Lord God said about you? He said you are God's expensive purchase, paid for with tears of blood. 
God's valuation of you is intense. God's valuation of you is phenomenal. Glory to God. And until you see that and see things the way God wants you to see it, you will not be able to, 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 to demonstrate the kind of attitude and disposition that you should have towards God. So we can see clearly from what I've said so far that that God's plan and God's disposition towards us is one of total commitment, of, of total trust in us. He believes in us. He believes in this project. He has total respect for what he has created. You are his, his prized possession. You are his masterpiece. Glory to God. And his love for you is unending, is everlasting, and he communicates that to us all the time. Glory to his name. And so it is expected as, as part of this our relationship with God that we imbibe these core foundational truths in our dealing and in our relationship with God. Glory to his name. So one of the first things that is required from us also is commitment glory to god which is which is simply a dedication to a cause which is a devotion to making something happen or making something work glory to his name you know what the bible tells us in luke chapter 9 and in verse 62 he says that that someone who puts his hands to the plow and looks back he said it's not fit for the kingdom glory to his name that is god's expectation god expects total commitment god expects that in in terms of our dealings with him that is not half-hearted that is not haphazard as well that is total it's an all or none law it is either all of god or none of god at all there's no middle way there is no middle of road. remember he said he wants you to be either hot or cold, that if you're lukewarm, he'll spew you out. That's what God says. Why? Because his commitment to us is total. God's commitment is complete. There is nothing left. And so he's expecting that same level of, of commitment. So so when in your walk with God, you don't you don't give opportunity for for another opinion. You know, some people treat the relationship that they have with God like uh, as if there's a plan B. Okay, when I'm believing God, in case it doesn't work, there's my uncle somewhere, there's that. You know, when when you don't trust him completely and when you don't act like he's the only way, <laughs> you know, that's where people start to consider looking at self-help and self-help uh, approaches. So God expects expects total commitment is jesus said unto man said no man having put his hands to the plow and looking back he said he's fit for the kingdom you're not one is not fit for the kingdom if you are not totally committed in fact he said this kind of commitment is the type that should be demonstrated by people handing responsibilities to other people within the body in first timothy chapter 2 and in verse 2, it says, And the things that thou hast heard among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others. Can you see that? Faithfulness is required. Commitment is required. 
It says in verse 4 that no man that worries entangleth himself with affairs of this life that he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. So, commitment is required. Romans 1 verse 9 says we should serve God with our spirits. Glory to his name. So, commitment is required from you and me. Number two, trust. Trust is required. And trust is a firm belief in the reliability, the truth, or the ability of something or someone. It's a, a, a firm belief in the reliability, in the truth, or the ability of someone or something. Glory to God. And God desires that we trust him and trust him completely. Proverbs 3 and verse 5 say so. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. He said, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Our actions must show that we trust God completely. Our actions must demonstrate the fact that we trust him. Because we know God never gives up on us, we too must show that we never give up on God. Glory to his name. So there must be trust. There must be complete trust. Remember, we said it's a love relationship. It's a love relationship. And that love relationship is supposed to be total. He says you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your might, and with all of your soul. And he says you love your neighbor as yourself. Of course, we know we can see that in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Glory to God. And in verse 5, it says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. It's all. It's a total love. Total love. You are not holding anything back. Your action must be evidence of the fact that your love for the Father is total. In this love relationship that we have with our Father, communication is continuous. Glory to God. Continuous communication. So it says, you know, pray without ceasing. In Luke chapter 18 and in verse 1, in First Thessalonians 5, 17, talks about praying always. In Ephesians 6 verse 18, talks about praying always. Luke 18, 1 talks about, he said that we should pray and not faint. Glory to his name. So you can see that God expects, oh, you're asking the question, how am I supposed to commune? How am I supposed to pray always? If, if God is commanding us to do so. Remember, prayer is a dialogue. So it's either you're the one talking or you're the one listening to him. So I want to recommend that even if you are not actively talking, make sure you're actively listening. Glory to God. That's prayer. That's prayer. You're either actively talking or you're actively listening. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8, it says it desires that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. Glory to God. So God anticipates that we pray everywhere. Finally, and this one is really very critical because this is what defines the relationship even though God is our Father, God is our friend, but God is our Lord and God is our God. And God deserves respect. You see, there are many things that people do in the name of having fun in church that 
smacks off as acts of real irreverence. Even when we say we're worshiping and we say we're praising, you know, we, you, God is our father, but men, make no mistakes about it. God is deserving of the highest level of respect. You know, when you hold someone in high regard, that's what we're talking about, respect. It's about a deep admiration for someone or something based on his abilities, his qualities, and his achievements. God is God. Glory to God. Our Father is God, and we should reverence Him. It should show up in the way we give to Him. It should show up in the way we serve Him. It should show up in the way we worship Him. You don't go saying things like, give the Lord a wiper. God is your God. Don't be saying those kind of things. You know, you're worshiping the Father. You lift up holy hands. You don't begin to clap, clap for him like uh, you're applauding a man. <laughs> you lift up holy hands. It's, it's, it's worship. Come on now. It's worship. When you sing those songs, when you're saying the things you're saying that is reminiscent of worship, you had better mean it. You had better be sure that those words are an offering that you will never offer to anybody else. The Bible says for us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto him, which is our reasonable act of worship. I want to just read this verse of scripture in closing, you know, from the TPT, glory to God, Romans chapter 12 and in verse 1 and 2. He says here, beloved friends, you know, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? To surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. My God, for this come that this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Did you see that? Live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Glory to God. So, folks, you know, in rounding up, I just want to, and I just want to, and join us. Treat your relationship with God with, with deference, with respect, with reverence. Okay. It shows in how punctual you are when it comes to his meetings. It shows in how you value his men, how you value his people, how you value his sheep, how you treat his possession, how you offer what you offer to him. It's all about reverence. It's all about deference. It's all about a deep sense of admiration and respect for the Father. Father, I just pray for God's people, that you would unveil the truth of this reality to us, that in this loving, trusting, respectful relationship that we have with you, built on mutual trust, may you teach us to love you with all our hearts and to reverence you the way we ought to and to esteem and value our relationship with you and demonstrate it by our actions so that that which we are meant to partake by being in this relationship might show up in our lives each and every day. Father, we thank you for doing this. For in Jesus' precious name, we pray. Thank you so much for staying.
everything we meet this morning. Have a fantastic day and a lovely weekend. Bye-bye for now.